You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama Sports, and Sports Director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama Sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Good morning, everybody. Welcome into the Gary Harris Show for this uh, Thursday, October 19, 2023. I'm your host, Gary Harris. I got Justin Jones right there in the uh, control room. He's taking your phone calls on the First Domain Condos hotline at 205-342-9904. Noah Haynes uh, hanging out with us as well. I'm in the studio, uh, as I like to say, just on the other side of the glass. So we've got uh, we've got visual contact with each other. And also, of course, um, I can kind con- you know, got a little talk box on the computer we've got cell phones so we can communicate really well so they're a big part of the show uh here on uh the gary harris show as well beautiful day again i'm just absolutely loving this weather i was telling some people at the tv station this week years ago this is a long time ago um in the 80s i think it was uh when i was over in mississippi working and i was in sports but i also i've always if you've heard me talk about the weather you know i've always been fascinated by it. particularly i love fall foliage and i went out one year and shot a fall foliage piece and Justin, you and Noah can help me out with this. Um, what's the music that you hear at a lot of weddings and you hear it a lot of times in movies? Noah, help me out. You know what it is. It's, it's a, uh, let me try to look it up. It's really right about like not like the like the bridal march, but something different. Not the, not the here comes the bride, but it's, it's, uh, it's, you'll hear it's it. Like, it's, uh, uh, I, I, think think, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Is it is it Pachabell's Cannon? Is that what it is? Is that uh, that is a sort of an iconic one? Uh, yeah, play it over there where you can yeah. hear it and see if that's. Uh, uh, but anyway, I'm getting to my point here, and we're going to get into sports talk. I promise you. But I went out and shot in in late October, early November. Several days I spent on it. This was the days where you had the big heavy cameras, and but I just would go around the area uh, shooting foliage. It was a real pretty fall that year, and um, went to the lake and and just uh, uh, shot this incredible collection of great what I thought was beautiful fall foliage piece, uh, shots, and then put it together. And that was the music I used behind it. And these in those days, you're again you're editing off videotape, so you had to do dissolves in the crow room but i played this music behind it and it was probably a minute and 45 piece of just and that music i think it is um that is right that's it yeah anyway this is the it is the uh that is the track i used behind the video and i did dissolves between all the shots and i wound up winning best photographer in the state of Alabama, which I thought was kind of unusual for, I mean, state of Mississippi for a piece like that. But I, it's my goal this year as this foliage gets, if I have, you know, if I, you know, it's a goal because it's not guaranteed that I'm going to get around to doing it. But if I can, guys, I'm going to get out here. I'm going to wait another, probably going to be, let's see, today is the 19th. Here it's usually early November before we get prime foliage. But I think we're going to have some really good color this year. So I'm going to be right around maybe Halloween or in early November. I'm going to try to get out and shoot um, some video, particularly over there near where I live in downtown Northport on the Riverwalk. But, you know, maybe get out to, to North River uh, area with Lake Tuscaloosa and um, and just anywhere that I see, you know, if I've got a camera with me, if I see a 
you know, sometimes it's weird. Sometimes you can just see a tree standing by itself and it just will have the most unused, beautiful foliage and maybe the sun's hitting down on it and you can shoot up through the tree or something like that. So yeah, I'm going to look at, uh, I'm going to look at doing a fall foliage piece this year, uh, video wise and run it on, <clears throat> run it on the local news there on WVUA 23. But enough about that. We'll get to the lineup here in just a second. First, let me tell you this hour of the Gary Harris show being brought to you as always by Alabama Credit Union. Convenience and saving Savings make life better. The ACU Lifestyle account is available right now. Learn more at alabamacu.com, alabamacu.com, Alabama Credit Union. Become a member today. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership. Then join today and feel good about your money. Ample extra change in your pocket. All right, we are jam-packed today. We're also going to talk some basketball and um Alabama basketball in particular, SEC uh, Men's Media Day yesterday, Bama picked fifth, and uh, NATO's got a, 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 a chuckle out of that because I think he was saying they've been picked fifth several times, including two of the last three years when they won the SEC regular season and tournament championships. So I think he's pretty tickled about that, but also plenty of uh, football discussion as well. Our guest uh, this morning will start it off at 930 with the coach, Ellis Johnson. So he'll break down the SEC. We'll go in-depth with the SEC football. Then at 10 o'clock, it's the Falcons report with D. Orlando Ledbetter from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, AJC.com. And then at 1030, my pal Jeff Spiegel from ABC 3340, sportscaster in Birmingham and also host of The Zone. Uh, so we'll got a We've got a jam-packed show. As I said, uh, we'll try to talk some basketball as well. Nate Oates uh, meeting with um, the media yesterday over there at uh, the Grand Bohemian Hotel in Mountain Brook and uh, breaking it all down, as all the coaches and players did. And the women are over there today, Christy Curry and uh, a couple of players as well for women's basketball. So we got a lot to cover this morning here on the program. Uh, of course, tomorrow I'm going to go ahead and remind you again, I'm going to be live at Brick and Spoon in downtown Tuscaloosa at Timerson Square. So come by and see me. I'll be doing the show there from 9 to 11. Uh, enjoy some of that great food. I mean, it is absolutely awesome. I love Brick and Spoon. Can't wait to do the show there. I'll wait till after my show to eat now, but I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be doing the show there 9 to 11 and also our, uh, T-Town Menswear, T-Town Gallery, Bama Football Trivia Contest tomorrow. We'll be playing for that uh, Roman Harper print, and I've actually got it in my car. I need to go down and get it so I can snap a picture of it. I will sometime today, but it is another really special item that we're going to be giving away tomorrow for Bama Football Trivia, plus um, my SEC point spread predictions. I went 3-3 three and three last week, <clears throat> not too bad, 500, but we'll try to improve on that this week. So we've got all that, uh, we've got all that coming up uh of course, tomorrow. But for today, good show on tap as well. And um, some quick thoughts on Alabama football. I was on another show, as I am every Thursday, out of Memphis um, up there, a um, radio show slash podcast. And um, it's Sidelines Live with Rob Brown. And, of course, we talked a lot about the Tennessee-Alabama game. And he was talking about uh, both of the defenses really kind of leading these two teams this year which is a direct opposite of last year when both these offenses were prolific and it was 52-49 and, you know, neither team could stop the other. And this game, you know, could be a lot different uh, with, you know, teams trying to run the ball and, you know, controlled passing game, not turn it over. Uh, Tennessee still wants to play up tempo sometimes, but they don't play up tempo all the time. 
And we know Alabama's not a tempo team at all. So, you know, don't be surprised if this game's in the 20s. And I picked it 27-17 Alabama. Uh, I think it's going to be a different type of, of game. I do think playing at Bryant-Denny Stadium is an advantage for the Crimson Tide. And I do think, even though they're not going to talk about it, after winning 15 in a row, <clears throat> you lose last uh, year, and you don't lose. You just lose. You lose in epic fashion. And, you know, there's field storming and goalposts coming down and players having a hard time getting off the field. And it was just a mess. And I guarantee Alabama remembers that. They remember that. They they understand that uh, um, even if they weren't there, even if they're freshmen or, or transfers, they, they know that uh, that was a tough day for Alabama. And, it, and ultimately it kept them out of the, uh, you know, kept them out of the SEC championship game. And uh, that that and then you know a couple weeks later you lose on the last play of the game in overtime to to LSU. So those two heartbreaking losses last year on the final play of the game to Tennessee and LSU kept Alabama from having a chance to play for the SEC and national championship last year. Kept them from being undefeated in the regular season. So um, you know you got one of those games Saturday, and then after a bye you got the other one, both at your place after losing to Tennessee and LSU on the road last year. So I guarantee you that. Um, that is a factor. Again, I'm not sure that the coaches are pounding it home to them every day, but the players know. They were there. They experienced it. And even the new players are, are going to be told about, hey, we didn't just lose that game. We lost it in epic fashion. We should have won the game. And then when they kicked that field goal, uh, we had to uh, deal with um, total chaos uh, at the end of the game. And, and we want a little payback for that. So Alabama will be looking to get that come Saturday afternoon at Bryant Denny Stadium. All right, it's 12 minutes after the hour of uh, 9 o'clock this morning, and we've got to Tom ready to go to lead us off on the first of main condo, condos hotline this morning, 205-342-9904. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Gary. I, too, am fascinated by foliage, and um, particularly like you brought up, fall foliage. And the foliage is produced... Uh, when you have cool nights and warm days That's like right. we're having now. That's right. And and, and we're having the, the prime temperatures to produce beautiful foliage right now. And if my estimation, based on things I've learned about foliage and when to expect peak, it's going to be around October 26th for, for your photo shoot. Oh, it is? That you've looked it up and done the research on the well, peak? Well, that, that, that's, that's <clears> my <throat> research, and, and you can take it for whatever you want. Now, also pointed out to Noah that SmokyMountains.com, or it may be .org, I'm not sure, they have a website that they track foliage across the continental United States beginning up in the northeastern corner of the continental United States, and they color the map to lead you to where the foliage is. Right. That you may find that to be interesting as well, since you are a connoisseur of foliage. Yeah, that's uh, <clears throat> because you're right. It's a lot different in different parts of the country. In fact, I guess up in the Northeast now, Tom, it's already yeah. in prime, yeah. I'm sure. And yeah. maybe about the Smokies, yeah. they'll be hitting hitting prime here very soon, right? Yeah, yeah, they, they, they'll be a week ahead of us, mm -hmm. or maybe a little more, or, or, or my dates may be a little off, I don't know. You're right, you know, uh, November, uh, the first of November is generally a good time to estimate, but uh, I've been trying to figure it out because uh, a lot of people across the United States, you know, foliage is a big deal to a bunch of us, and uh, 
it's a fun thing and uh, so forth and so on. Yeah, it's great for me, and um, I'm glad to hear you enjoy it, and I hope some other people are enjoying me because they're probably talking, oh, turning in their time. What's Gary here is talking about the leaves for, but uh, you know, it, it's it's something uh, you know, else. And this me, ties. It, it's a it's an intricate part. If you've ever been to Nayland Stadium, uh, oh, you it's know, most, gorgeous. Most people go up to. Uh, we used to go to Gatlinburg and spend the weekend there, play golf on Sunday morning after the game and, uh, you know, that make a little trip out of it like that. And, um, but, uh, you know, it was, it, to me, Alabama, Tennessee is synonymous with beautiful foliage. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a ride of patches, the third Saturday in October, particularly, uh, when it's in Knoxville. And I'll, and I'll say this, as That's much as right. I love games on campus and you know what I'm talking about, Tom, that was one of those games where, Legion Field, when Alabama played in Birmingham, that Tennessee game was uh, something to look forward to at Legion Field, man. And, uh, it's so colorful. Yeah, it was, so it was awesome. And then, of course, obviously the, the games in, in Knoxville. But this year, um, the campus is, you're right, it's not anywhere close to prime. But by Saturday, because that's still two no, more days away, gonna there's going to right. be some you're color. Right. There's going to be some color on campus, and it's going to be a gorgeous day. And it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a ton of fun. But yeah, I'm looking forward this year. I hadn't done it, like I said, in years, but I'm going to grab the camera and I'm going to get out and I'm going to start shooting some video of some of this gorgeous, um, foliage and I'm going to put together well, a little had, piece. Uh, I had a group come in, uh, visitors to our house for Mississippi State. And also they were here for not only the Alabama Mississippi State game, but for the race as well. And, um, so, uh, but anyway, they wanted to, on Friday, you know, I had talked to you about the little tour, this, that, and the other. They wanted to go to the uh, museum and, and do around the stadium. And, and, and uh, their parents had had gone to school at Alabama, and they wanted to see where their mothers don't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, All yeah. That. The campus was, I know it wasn't in full peak color, but it was gorgeous over there. Uh, when we were doing that walk around everything. Yeah, man. Well, I love the fall. And that's one thing I was going to say before we have to get the break about tying it into sports talk. Cause I've been to, I've been to Neyland Stadium <laughs> quite a few times and have loved it right there on the Tennessee River and have soaked it all in, but I've always been working. I've, I've gone to, you know, different campuses during the fall, you know, Starkville and Oxford and, and, yeah. um, and Baton Rouge and Athens. And I've loved, you know, fall football games at these different campuses and they're gorgeous but i've always been working and i've been working for years and years and years one of the things i'm going to do when i'm not working anymore as a sportscaster is i made a this is my decision some people want to take a cruise they want to jump in a plane they want to fly and i've done some of those things but i am going to take the first fall that i'm not tied to football season tom and i'm going to drive uh, I'm oh, still yeah. living in Tuscaloosa. I'm not going to take a plane. I'm not, I'm just going to, uh, I'm going to set myself about 14 days and I'm going to track, do that tracker that you're talking about. And I'm just going to drive all the way up the Atlantic seaboard all the way up, up until I make it to Maine. And yeah. I'm going to, and I'm going to peak it, drive it where the peak is in Maine. And, yeah. And, Apple, and then when I drive back down, I'll catch the other, as I come south, I'll catch the other areas in peak and I'll probably cut through Tennessee. And, and, uh, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to spend about 14 days. Can I, can I say one thing and, and point something out to you? Then I swear I'm getting out of the way. Baton Rouge, uh, when Alabama is playing LSU and Baton Rouge in the fall, they burn the sugar cane field. 
I don't know if you've ever noticed it or been down there when that was going on. I have, but actually. There's a, there's a smell that comes off of those fields when they're burning that sugar. It's a sweet and burn smell that's mixed together. It comes off there in the fall of the year in South Louisiana that's second to none as far as aroma. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, that's the, that's the thing about it. When you go down there to Baton Rouge in November, a lot of people don't think about it because it's not where we think of fall foliage. But that's a beautiful right. part of the country, too, in the fall. And oh, driving, yeah. you know, you drive, you know, flat land, but, but pretty scenery, and you get on that campus. Oh, Delta, baby, yeah, Delta. It's neat. Good stuff, Thank Tom. Sorry. Sorry about that. No, I, I brought it up. I was the one talking about it. We'll get right back into hardcore sports talk in this next segment. Thanks, Tom. See you. All right, nine eighteen. We got to get to the break, and uh, we will. We're done with with weather and fall foliage and my plans for the future and all those types of things. Uh, we're going to get right back into sports talk. You're welcome to call the first in Maine condos hotline two zero five three four two nine nine zero four nine thirty. Can't wait for the coach Ellis Johnson as he will uh, break down the SEC football for us uh, like only he can. So that's coming up as well. Keep it dialed into the Gary Harris Show. Tie one hundred point nine FM twelve thirty AM WTBC. Hey, Bama fans, it's a big week for football. Zenith Free has evolved. It will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the Free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch soup, salad, or sandwich combo. I'll see you at the Free. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. Los Roscos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Increasingly cloudy today. The chance of a shower this afternoon. Showers are more likely tonight. The high today 72. Tonight's low 55. Tomorrow showers ending early in the day. The sky becoming partially sunny. The high at 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 58 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. That's the up-tempo version, isn't it? I've heard that before. But, uh, welcome back into the Gary Heron Show, 922. And uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, SEC Men's Basketball Media Day on Wednesday. The Women's Media Day is today over in Birmingham. The order of finish as predicted by the media 
Tennessee, the Volunteers picked to finish first, followed by Texas A&M, Arkansas, Kentucky. Still odd to see them pick fourth regardless. Alabama, Auburn, Mississippi State, the top seven. Rounding out the prediction of finish, Florida at eight, Missouri nine, Ole Miss 10, Vanderbilt 11, Georgia 12, LSU 13, and South Carolina 14. The media's preseason SEC player of the year is the talented guard for Texas A&M, Wade Taylor. Preseason all-SEC first team, this is how highly he's thought of. Grant Nelson has not played a game for Alabama. The 6'11", 230-pound <clears throat> transfer forward from North Dakota State out of Devils Lake, North Dakota. He's first-team All-SEC. Trayvon Brazil, Arkansas, 6'10", 220, sophomore forward out of Springfield, Missouri. Janai Broom, 6'10", 240-pound junior forward for Auburn. He's a transfer player, had a big year last year out of Plant City, Florida. Justin Edwards, a freshman guard out of Philadelphia for Kentucky. Obviously, he's talented to be already picked All-SEC, 6'8", 203. And uh, certainly, Tulu Smith is a load. The 6'11", 245-pound center for Mississippi State out of Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. Santiago Viscovi. Fifth-year player, been around the block out of Uruguay, really good player, 6'3", 192. And as we mentioned, Wade Taylor is the SEC preseason player of the year, the junior guard out of Dallas for Texas A&M. Second-team preseason All-SEC, Mark Sears, Alabama senior guard. Former Ohio Bobcat out of Muscle Shoals, 6'1", 185. Devontae Davis, senior guard out of Arkansas, 6'4", 185 from Jacksonville, Arkansas. Riley Kugel, the talented sophomore Guard for Florida, 6'5", 207 out of Orlando. Antonio Reeves, fifth-year guard for Kentucky out of Chicago, 6'5", 205. And Sakai Ziegler, Tennessee guard out of Long Island, New York, a junior, 5'9", 171. So that's your all-SEC first and second teams, your predicted order of finish. And um, as I said, Nate Oates had a, had a little giggle yesterday. We might even be able to find that sound, uh, um, Justin. I don't know if I have time to run it or not, but just, Nate Oates speaking to the SEC media yesterday. Uh, we might be able to find that and get a clip or two on for you. From the coach before the show was over, <clears throat> particularly on uh, um, him laughing about finish, being picked finished fifth, which I think they've been picked there the last three years. Also, Aaron Estrada, the guard who he took with uh, him along with Mark Sears yesterday, the transfer guard. Uh, there was a comment that he made that a lot of people took it as a shot at, at, Quig, at uh, Quinterly. But again, we've talked about this. I don't think Nate Oates means to deliver these things as shots. He just, he just is, is the way that he is. I mean, you ask him a question, he's not thinking, well, I'm going to, you know, he, what he said, was and I want to pull up the quote exactly. He was asked about um I'm pulling it up right now, so I'll read it to you exactly and then uh, Justin wants to comment on it. Oh, uh, I was just going to say I think he did come out afterwards and praise Quinterly and and clarify like clearly Yeah, he didn't mean that as a shot. He just was I think he was just basically saying that Aaron Estrada um just really absolutely brings it every day. And there was a quote where he said, um, 
I'm trying to find it. Fine, help y'all help me out. Find the quote. We said something the fact it's gonna be nice not to have to beg your point guard to bring the effort every day. I'm trying to find it. It's all over the place and I can't find it. You can tell I get frustrated when something like this happens. Um, but he came back and clarified that he was not taking a shot at Javon uh, Quinterly. Somebody find the quote for me over there. I can't find it. Um, it's unbelievable. I saw it a million times yesterday when I was at the TV station, and now I can't. Uh... <clears throat> Here it is. Oates raved about Estrada's attitude and what he's bringing to the team and said he doesn't have to beg him to bring effort every day. He said... Um, you don't have to beg your point. You got the exact long version quote? Don't know. I I have the quote of his response, though. Well, I found that, too. I, I'm fine, Read the response. Let me find the original quote that he had that stirred it all up. My gosh. Yeah, from Nick Kelly at the Tuscaloosa News, uh, quoted, All love for JQ. He was just trying to pump up our point guard this year and how good he's been. We had a great run with JQ. We were number one. We were the number one team in the country with him. He helped raise our program to unprecedented heights here. And you're right, Gary. I saw this about a thousand times uh, yesterday. <laughs> I can't find the quote either now. All right, here's the original quote. Okay. In answering a question about transfer guard Aaron Estrada, Oates praised Estrada's work ethic, which included saying, I think that makes us a lot better as a team when you don't have to beg your point guard to bring effort every day. That's the quote that kind of, and of course the media took it as a, you know, ran with it immediately as a shot at Javon Quinterly. I have been around Nate Oates enough to know that he is that upper Midwest background they are they are really blunt people you ask a question they give you an answer in the south a lot of times we are used to people trying to sugarcoat or say the right thing and he just said what was on his mind i don't even think he was thinking about javon quinterly he was just as i pointed out i think praising the effort of aaron estrada but he did have to come back and do um a disclaimer because the media ran with it and and uh but but uh, javon quinterly was a great player here a great player. Now, did Javon Quinterly have a little bit of uh, Jermaine Burton in him to some extent? Yeah. You know, he, he he was one of those guys fiery and sometimes I thought crossed the line a little bit with his antics, particularly toward the toward the other team and the other team's players. But um, but he brought it. And like Oates said, they went to number one in the country with Javon Quinterly. So nothing but love and respect for Javon Quinterly, who's now at Memphis. But I do think that they really like Aaron Estrada. And what he is going to bring to this, uh, bring to this team. So Alabama picked to finish fifth, but don't be surprised if they finish higher than that. All right. 929. We're going to get to the break. And uh, when we come back, the coach Ellis Johnson will join us. SEC football in depth with the uh, coach next right here on the Gary Harris show. Built to win. Built for championships. Built by Bama. Alabama is still Alabama. The Crimson Tide play here. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide look to get revenge on Tennessee. Our coverage begins at 11:30 on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner too. 
Since 2011, Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high-definition televisions in both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. Want to jump into any of the shows? Call Tide 100.9 right now at 205-342-9904. Well, somebody answer that damn phone. That's 205-342-9904. Back into the Gary Harris Show. And who do you the blowfish? Means it's time for the coach, Ellis Johnson. Longtime SEC defensive coordinator, former Division I head coach, now uh, making his home there in Columbia, South Carolina, and uh, breaks down SEC football for us every week here on the Gary Harris Show. Coach, how's it going, man? Going okay, Gary. We used to have an old saying in coaching the days drag and the weeks fly by. Isn't that the truth? I, that is, I'm, the days drag and the weeks fly by. That's a great way to look at it because that's exactly the way it is in this business. I think in the broadcasting business, long days, but then the weeks just boom. And uh, boy, certainly you're right about football season. It's it's flying by. We're already two thirds through the season. We always like to look back before we look ahead. And let's start with Alabama and Arkansas. I don't know if you got to watch the game. I was there, of course, and it just was an odd game. I, I it wasn't like Alabama was playing great in the first half. Milrow hit a some huge chunk plays through the passing game, but still late in the third quarter, you look up, it's 24 to six. Arkansas didn't have a hundred yards offense in the game. And, uh, uh, you know, I thought it was about over and all of a sudden you got a third and seven, you get off the field. Uh, Arkansas is going to be punting from pretty deep in their own territory. And on that third down play, uh, Jalen key away from the ball gets a personal foul defensive face mask for pulling a guy to the ground, extends a drive, 15 yard penalty. Arkansas winds up scoring. It was game on and Alabama held on for dear life. I, that's two weeks in a row coach that you work so hard to, to be a fundamentally sound football team and, and get yourself in position to win. And then you have a penalty. Uh, for a blindside block that takes a touchdown off the board against A&M, and then you have a penalty away from the ball um, for stupid penalty for defensive face mask, and it almost cost you two football games. I I know you're working hard to be, a, as I said, a fundamentally sound football team, but stupid penalties like this, at some point they're going to cost you a game, right? Absolutely. We used to uh, punish missed assignments, missed tackles, lack of effort, and penalties. But the type of penalties that we punished for on Mondays, were pre-snap penalties or uh, post-whistle. And, you know, these late hits or, you know, hitting out of bounds or doing things that nice and if it was competitive like holding or pass interference and those type of things, that's part of the game. Uh, but, you know, they did cut the penalties down. Alabama's had too many penalties this year, and uh, they cut them down in this game. I, I think Arkansas is probably as good a two-and-five team as there is in the country. They just have not been able to make those – five or ten plays a game to get them over the hump. Uh, but I'm not surprised that they gave Alabama a good game. Uh, just kind of like you, I was a little bit sort of a funny ending. Not funny, but strange ending. Uh, the big thing, I think, their defense uh, held K.J. Jefferson under 200 yards of total offense. And 
if he doesn't get 200 yards total offense, it's hard for all, uh, Arkansas to beat anybody, score enough points. Yeah. Um, Alabama, you know, getting ready for Tennessee. Tennessee last week, and it's going to be odd, and we'll get, we'll look, you know, dive in head first to Alabama, Tennessee. But last year, those two teams were prolific scoring teams, and we had 52 49. It, it looks to be a much different game this year, but Tennessee gutted one out at home over Texas A&M, uh, 20 to 13. That was not a, I got to watch a lot of that one. It was not a pretty football game, uh, but you don't, you know, they don't keep style points, as you know, that at the end of the day, they add up the score and Tennessee, you know, got a big win over a A&M team that's going back to the drawing board, it looks like there in College Station. Yeah. Tennessee's a better defensive team this year, much better. And although their offense is not as prolific as it was last year, when they take care of the football, they kind of play for the defense this year. It's a very, sort of a, a turnaround from last year. But those two, these two teams are number two and three in the conference and scoring defense, which I think in college statistics, points allowed is the most important defense, uh, excuse me, uh, team statistic there is. So I think Alabama knows who they are now. They know what Jalen can do. They know what they shouldn't let him do. Uh, he's effective because he didn't turn the ball over. He can beat you with his feet, and he can beat you with a deep ball. And uh, they, they didn't score a bunch of points the other day, but they're capable. Tennessee, on the other hand, I, I think they're still dangerous offensively, but it goes back to their quarterback also. They're very similar players. And uh, when you know when the quarterback plays well and doesn't turn the ball over, they're hard to beat. So how do you uh, see this game? How do you handicap this game coming up in Tuscaloosa? Again, last year, just just crazy, uh, a crazy phenomenal game, 52-49. These two teams may struggle to get to 52 points combined in this one with the defenses being solid, uh, the passing games being inconsistent. Both teams, Tennessee's ran the ball great this year, and Alabama's running game is getting better. Do you expect this game to be more of a defensive slugfest? I really do, unless it turns into a turnover surface. I know you want a prediction, and you don't want me hedging my bets, but I just think it's going to come down to which quarterback does not give the other team the ball and make critical mistakes. And both defenses are capable of making the quarterbacks do that. But uh, in my opinion, in the last two or three weeks, Alabama has a better grip on what they think they can do offensively and what they can't do. And I still think Tennessee is prone to make more mistakes, or turnovers, if you will. So I, I I still think Alabama at home is, is the winner on the thing, but it's going to be a tough ball game. Yeah, it is. And um, one more thought on Alabama before we move on: they're all tough ball games. It seems like this year, and it just and I don't, you know, they're finding a way to win them. They're four zero in the conference um, outside of the Mississippi State game, which they won comfortably. The other three against uh, Ole Miss and A and M and and. Um, Arkansas have pretty much come down to the fourth quarter, and watching them play, I don't see a reason to believe that's going to change. Like you said on Saturday, or against LSU, or against Auburn, Kentucky, it just looks like they're going to be in a lot of tight ball games. And um, I guess that's why it's so important that they don't have the costly penalties and that they are fundamentally sound, because at some point, as a coach, don't you feel like if we're playing close games every week and we don't clean some of this stuff up, eventually it's going to bite us? Absolutely. But I, I guess I'm repeating myself. I think they, I think they have gotten a grasp on it now. Okay. Well, I'm not saying they're playing great, but I think they know what they can't do. They do not have a Heisman Trophy candidate at quarterback right now, and they've been used to that now for about ten years in a row. And so you don't have a lot of margin for error. 
you can't turn the ball over three times and have six pre-snap penalties and still beat somebody by 18 points. You're not going to throw the ball, uh, you know, effectively. Often enough, you're going to have to win the line of scrimmage. And so it, it's just a tougher way to have to go about it. But I do think they do have a grasp on who they are now and how they're going to win. And when I say they have a grasp on it, I think the coaching staff and Coach Saban have, have realized it for several weeks. It's just different when you're trying to get the players in that mindset that we're not going to have a lot of ball games now. That we're going to explode on somebody in the first and second quarter and, and, and knock them out. We're going to have to play 60 minutes of good, solid football without penalties, stupid penalties, and uh, things that can beat us. So you said you like Bama to pull it out and find a way again on Saturday. I think so, yes. Let's get to, uh, there's a lot of things to cover. Only five games this week uh, in the SEC, but South Carolina last week, um, and we see it, that's the nature of this league, but boy, sometimes you lose a game and you, uh, I, I know coaches beat themselves up because they just say there's no way we should have lost that game. If you're South Carolina, that's one of them. And, and, and Shane Beamer's broken foot is proof of uh, the fact that how he felt about that one when he kicked something after the game and broke his foot. But for Florida, a huge win for Billy Napier. Just a devastating loss for South Carolina at home in a game that, quite frankly, all they had to do anywhere along the line there in the fourth quarter is make one play, <laughs> and they win the game, and they couldn't do it. Crazy game. Yeah, it was. And, and, a, and a terrible ending that just, you know, just tears your heart out but at the same time they were playing defensively the whole game in a a way that this was going to probably have a shot to happen if they didn't get the score under control and you know give up 14 points i think in the last two three minutes Mm -hmm. so there but that it was going on all during the ball game and so it just got to you know that you know gave up 423 yards in passing and I don't understand Carolina right now. Defensively, the biggest thing, they're just absolutely decimated with injuries. And so they've got a bunch of guys playing 75 snaps. It ought to be 10-snap guys giving somebody else a break. But that guy's gone now. He's sitting over on the bench. And then there's nobody behind the, the guy that's having to play 75 plays because they don't have that quality depth. But they used to be terrible at stopping the run, but now people are able to exploit them in the past, and they're not even trying to run all uh, frequently, but they've really got some issues on defense right now. It's not a good time because they're going out to play a Missouri team that I think is as good an offensive team as there is in the conference, and uh, they've not won out there very frequently. Must champ beat them out there one time, and I think it's the only time Carolina's won at Missouri. So it, it's kind of a tough stretch right now for Gamecocks, and then right behind that, he's got a couple home games he should win, but they've got Texas A&M before then on the road. Uh, and they've got to finish up with Kentucky and Clemson. So, uh, very bowl game is on the line. I mean, it's, it's starting to be a, a tough, tough climb to even get a bowl game. Coach Ellis Johnson with us breaking it down. Um, of course, LSU is, uh, Taking on Army this week, which you can never overlook the Service Academy, but then they go on by and, and, and then in two weeks we get, uh, we get Alabama and LSU, but LSU was dominant in that, uh, that win over Auburn. Not only from the standpoint that their offense right now is the best offense in the league. I don't think it's close. Uh, well, maybe you could argue Missouri, but, but, uh, but LSU's hitting on all cylinders, but defensively, and I know Auburn's not a great offense, but they took steps defensively, it looked like to me, and that makes LSU scary. If, if they start, Defending people with the way they score, they're going to be hard to handle for anybody. Yeah, I, mean, I agree with you totally. They are the best offense. I think Missouri is as efficient, just as efficient as LSU, but I don't think they're as dangerous and explosive 
<clears throat> Brady Cook has done a great job, but he's not Jalen Daniels. And I think unless Daniels has a bad night, uh, the LSU was out of doubt the best offense in the conference. I, I, the defense, I'm still out on that yet. I, I'm not ready to say they've turned the corner. We know Auburn's struggling at quarterback, and they just, you know, Hugh's done a good job, I think, trying to get it across the bridge with the two he's got. But if they just, you know, with the kind of production they've got in the passing game, uh, it's, it's easy for a defense to, and that's where LSU's been weak is in the secondary. It's easier for a defense to put together some decent stats. But they did play better statistically, and I do think that they're the only other team in the West that can, can get a shot at Alabama, and they still get to play them. So they, they've got a lot to play for. Uh, but, but I'm not – I was surprised the game was that bad down there because Auburn's defense has been able to keep them in some uh, games. But I think their offense is just putting too much pressure on the defense right now. Looking at Auburn now, and, uh, you know, you haven't you haven't won a, an SEC game, although you've played three good teams. I mean, let's be honest, A&M, Georgia, and LSU. Um, but now you get another good team. And Ole Miss is coming off a bye. It's at Jordan-Hare, which you feel like with Auburn when they're at home, they've always got a shot. Uh, this is a big game for these two coaches because of the – the the tie-ins here. I mean, Hugh Freeze was the coach at Ole Miss. Uh, he got let go for some off-the-field issues, kind of rehabbed himself at Liberty. Now he's at Auburn. You got Lane Kiffin, who reportedly was offered the Auburn job last year before Kiffin. Uh, there's still a lot of people in Oxford that like Hugh Freeze a lot. Lane Kiffin, with that win over LSU, built a lot of goodwill. But this is a game, in my opinion, that's much bigger for Lane Kiffin. Because if you're Auburn with what they're dealing with this year – you lose, like you said, it's it's kind of a rebuilding mode. Ole Miss still has a shot to have a really good season, and if Kiffin goes in there and loses to Freeze, um, those Ole Miss people aren't going to be too uh, too happy about that. So I think there's a lot of pressure in, in on Ole Miss in this game. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, you put so much color in it off the field because of that Ole Miss Auburn, uh, all the uh, connections of this thing going on with head coaches. I guess the one thing we could do to make it better is bring in Tommy Tuberville to be the color guy on the broadcast. But uh, it, it, I agree with you. It's a little bit bigger for Ole Miss. And, you know, Hughes got to get three more wins and get them to a bowl, and it'll be a decent season. It's not Auburn standards, but with what he walked into, the internal mess and some of the other things personnel-wise, that's got that's, that gives him that step to have a good recruiting class and move on into the future. But as you said, Ole Miss – uh, this gets a little more critical for Lane and, uh, and and their future, and I think they'll obviously be favored. It's a hard game to match up, Gary, because you know Ole Miss is explosive on offense. But Auburn's been playing pretty good defense. Ole Miss has not been stopping anybody on defense effectively, but uh, Auburn does not have the ability right now with their quarterback play to seriously challenge anybody in the conference and, and that side of the ball. So I, it's a hard one to pick. And uh, I think being at home now, Auburn has a shot to pull off a big upset on this one. Let's, uh, let's talk about Georgia for a moment. Um, you know, on, on by this week, but I say only beat Vanderbilt by 17, but they only beat Vanderbilt by 17. And, and then you lose Brock Bowers in the process of, of, of just a, a cheat code at tight end. I know when you're on top and you know it, having coached in this league, everybody's looking for flaws, but, um, Georgia, you know, still unbeaten, but they do appear to be a team that's gettable, if that makes any sense. That's a word we'd like to use. Now they're gettable, um, almost 
they almost were gotten at Auburn. Uh, what are you seeing from this Georgia team? Uh, and, and can they can they run the table? They can, and I think they'll be favored in every game. But now they're they're a heck of a lot more vulnerable right now. Uh, they did they weren't able to use Bowers early as, as as effectively as he was last year. But then all of a sudden, in the last two or three weeks, they've been really going to him with some some balls and things. Looks like they got some plays put in there, especially to get him the ball. But on top of the other things you brought up, Brock Byers and a very average, above average to average performance against Vanderbilt, Auburn, question marks as to whether Georgia's as explosive and offense and on defense. They've got four SEC games in a row right now. So it's going to be critical, you know, that they play well. And I think they're going to be missing him. And we'll see who picks up the, the load with Byers out. They may have a guy in the background that'll be surprised to all of us. Coach Ellis Johnson, a few more minutes here on the program. Um, this is a, a big game, even though both these teams are not good teams. Um, you, you, you mentioned Arkansas earlier and how hard they play. And, you know, as I like to, I've said for years, you can be a good team in this league sometimes and not know it. And, and I think the perception is Arkansas is bad, but they're, they're not bad. They're, they're a solid team, but they get Mississippi State at home. Now this is a big game for Sam Pittman because I think the fan base is trying to stand behind him. They like him. They see how hard they play. They see how close they are. But if you let Mississippi State roll in there and beat you, then all that goes out the window. So sometimes you don't have to be undefeated to have big games in this league. This is a big game for these two teams. It is, and I, I think it's about Mississippi State's best shot to ensure a bowl. Uh, they come out they're coming off a of bye week, and that may have helped them a little bit in preparation, both physically and spend a little more time on them. I'm a little partial to Arkansas because I do think uh, Sam's done a great job. He's a good fit, and their defensive coordinator was, was a grad assistant for me. That's right, Auburn. Travis Williams. Yeah, yeah. And he's done a heck of a job this year. Sure has. I, I think it's going to be a tall order of the state to go in there and beat them. But it, it, Sam has no room to ever. They've got two wins. And so, I mean, mathematically, it's almost the door's about to close. So I feel like Arkansas is going to really play well, and I think they'll probably pull this one out. Nationally, Coach, are you surprised we have so many undefeated teams still this deep into the season? Yeah, I hadn't paid much attention to that, Gary. There's I, a lot guess, of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised, but I guess the matchups, I saw something the other day where it looked like the, the Pac-12 actually planned it that way. But if you go back and see some of the teams that have already played each other, 10 years ago, that wasn't the way they were. I mean, those would have been big-time games. But I think they're like seven or eight games this week where somebody's going to play against another top 25 or top 20 team. So some of this stuff will start to – the weed out, but on the undefeated, uh, it, it is, I guess, Ohio State and Penn State, they're both undefeated. Yep, yep. Uh, Michigan. They'll play each other this week. Yep. They'll clean one of them up, but they are a, a ton of undefeated teams, as you said, and it is a little bit surprising. Yeah, I said I said that to set you up for this because I had a caller yesterday call in, and I guess ESPN, you know, all these people that are paid to talk all the time, and laid out a scenario where um, Alabama could be. 12 and 1 and kept out of the playoff. And, uh, and I just said hogwash. If, if Alabama runs a table, goes to Atlanta Beach, Georgia, they're 12 and 1, win the SEC, they're going to be in the playoff. I don't care what scenario though is. But he was laying out a scenario that one of those analysts had laid out where if you had a undefeated Pac-12 champion, Big 12 champion, ACC champion, and Big 10 champion 
regardless of what Alabama did, they would be left out. Now, first of all, there's a lot of football to be played, and I don't think all those four of those conferences are going to have undefeated conference champions, and you probably don't either. But if that were to happen and Alabama beat Georgia and was 12-1, to do you think there would be a chance they might get left out? I think they would if they were undefeated. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I think they would have to be undefeated, though, for that to happen. And I think the key to that, of course, is that win over Georgia that occurred. I mean, you beat the number one team in the nation if they're still, assuming they're still number one, it's got to knock them way up the ladder. But I think if those teams have won their conference and are undefeated, depending on who's on that committee, Ooh. yeah, it could happen. Wouldn't that be a, wouldn't that, wouldn't that stir the pot? If you got a 12 and one Alabama SEC champion and they don't get in, um, be well, a lot of people. There's one thing for sure. If that happens, all the people who've been clamoring for this uh, more teams in the playoffs, they'd be slam dunk in charge after that. Yeah, and that's the that's the shame in a way is that it starts next year, but this is a year where you look around and you see all the teams that you think are potentially good enough to win a championship, and you almost wish we had the 12 team of this year, Coach, but, you know, we don't. It so, is. But if that, if, that, if that were to happen, and, again, that's a lot of football left, you talk about some meltdowns if Alabama 12-1 and one with one loss to Texas and a win over Georgia and the SEC championship game didn't make that playoff. Woo! Uh, we, that's a great scenario. <laughs> that'd be a lot to talk about, that's for sure. Hey, Coach, great stuff as always, man, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, Gary. Enjoyed it. All right, 9.53. We'll take a break, come back and wrap up this first hour of the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9, 12.30 a.m. WTBC, your home for Alabama sports. Coming up up. on The Game with Ryan Fowler. Coming up on the Thursday edition of The Game, we will recall the 1990 game with Phil Dole. We'll be featuring him. We'll talk to Bruce Marshall. We'll have a chance to talk with Brad Powers, all starting here at 2 o'clock on Tide 100.9 and 1230 WTBC. Your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. The longest-running sports program in Tuscaloosa. The Game with Ryan Fowler. Weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Football. Tuscaloosa's Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205 562 3201 O Colony is operated by Paramount. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Increasingly cloudy today, the chance of a shower this afternoon. Showers are more likely tonight. The high today, 72. Tonight's low, 55. Tomorrow, showers ending early in the day. The sky becoming partially sunny. The high at 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 60 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Alabama Sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 957, that's uh, going to put a wrap on this first hour of the Gary Harris Show. Justin was telling me during the break and talking about these scenarios, uh, I wish we almost had the 12-teamer team or 12-team playoff this year because he was pointing out a, a deal where Alabama could get left out to a one-loss Texas team if both those teams went went out and won their conference championships and it came down to that final spot between Alabama and Texas. You'd both be 12-1 and one with conference titles, but Texas would have the head-to-head. So 
Woo. First of all, Alabama's got to take care of its business. All right. That's a lot of line, but there's a lot of scenarios floating around out there. All right. This hour has been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. Member owned or not for profit. It's just a better way of banking. Find out more at alabamacu.com. The second hour is coming up. We'll get it started with the uh, Falcons report. They're up and down like most teams in the NFL. Atlanta's up and down. We'll have D. Orlando Ledbetter kick off the second hour of the Gary Harris Show. And we'll do that uh, right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles, here's Kevin Wired. Major League Baseball, ALCS Game 3. The Astros outshoot the Rangers 8-5. to Jose Altuve going deep for Houston. Jordan Alvarez, Martin Maldonado each having two RBIs as the Astros now improve to 9-1 in their last 10 postseason road games. Texas, however, is still ahead in this best-of-seven series, two games to one. In the WNBA Finals last night, the Las Vegas Aces win their second consecutive title with a 70-69 win against the New York Liberty. Las Vegas winning the series in five games, three games to one, become the league's first back-to-back champions since the L.A. Sparks won it in 2001 and 2002. And in NFL Thursday Night Football, ESPN saying the Jaguars going to work out quarterback Trevor Lawrence before the game to determine whether or not he can play against the Saints with his knee sprain. Always live. Always local. Dependable news coverage. The latest news only from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. Hearing us tonight about potential traffic changes on overcrowded 43 North in Northport. It will be 5 to 7 at Christ Harbor Church. Aldon is proposing modifications to the intersection at Bitlary Road. The family of murdered Mountain Brook teen Natalie Holloway now has closure. Joran Vandersloot, the longtime suspect in the case, has admitted he brutally bludgeoned the 18-year-old to death in Aruba. And Tuscaloosa City Schools will ask for an increase in property taxes, the first in 40 years. Officials say it's the only way to improve the system. For the Latest local news in Tuscaloosa. Bama Sports Updates. And severe weather information. Download the free Tuscaloosa Threat app. Never pay for your news. And sign up for our daily newsletter with news updates. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV. Crimson Tide Kickoff. Play-by-play for Alabama Sports and Sports Director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama Sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, here we go. Hour number two of the Gary Harris Show right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Gary Harris, Justice Jones, Justin Jones. He's all about justice, though. I tell you, he's a stand-up guy. Hey, this hour of the Gary Harris Show, speaking of justice, you can get it through Patterson Comer, uh, Attorneys at Law. They're the second-hour sponsor, Paul Patterson and Mike Comer, right here in Tuscaloosa and Northport, respectively. I know these gentlemen personally. I know how uh, they build their their law firm, not just on on trying to win settlements, but doing it with integrity. They're, they're gentlemen of the highest uh, degree. I think that matters. I think it matters if they're local. So if you need a personal injury attorney, Patterson Comer is the firm to call. 205-345-1000. That's where you'll reach Paul in Tuscaloosa. 205-759-3939. That's where you'll reach uh, Mike in Northport or find out more at PattersonComerLawFirm.com.
No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. All right, I always look forward to my weekly visit with D. Orlando Ledbetter, longtime Falcons beat writer, Atlanta Journal-Constitution, AJC.com, and on a little bit of a roller coaster uh, ride with this Falcons team, uh, Orlando told us preseason he kind of thought this is the way that it would go, and um, they're in the they're going to be in the hunt in, in the NFC South. But uh, Orlando, good morning. First of all, how are you? I'm doing great, Gary. Thanks for having me here. Absolutely. Coming off a disappointment, you're at home uh, against the Commanders team. That they, listen, they're talented, but I know that's a game the Falcons felt like. You know, we're at home. We need to win this game, and just a weird game. I mean, Desmond Ritter. If you looked at the 307 yards and two touchdowns, you'd say, "Wow." You know, you look at you know he got London involved. Pitts caught a t- touchdown in the game, but then you saw those three interceptions, and boy, they they kind of wiped out all the good that that he did, and then the fact that the Falcons uh, couldn't run the ball, really, against uh, the commanders. Algier and Robinson were held in, in, in uh, check. So, yeah, what are your takeaways from that 24-16 loss? Yeah, you know, it was a game they should have won. They outgained them 2-1, 400-plus uh, yards to 193. But, yeah, you turn it over, uh, comp- compound that with a special team blown play, and then a couple blown plays on defense. Uh, you're going to lose every time, pretty much. You know, defensive lapses, special teams lapses, and three turnovers, that's too much for a team uh, to overcome. Even one of the good teams in the league couldn't overcome that much. Nope, they don't. That's uh, no matter how many yards you gain. And for Ritter, listen, now he's 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 throwing it around. I mean, he's making some plays, but you said it. You, you know, if you're going to be a quarterback in this league um, – Three interceptions just just make it tough make it tough on your team. Yeah, no doubt. And I went, I got a story I'm working on for Sunday. I went back and looked at Matt Ryan's first ten games, Michael Vick and Burkowski, and uh, 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 Matt had uh, six interceptions too in his first ten games. Uh, Burkowski had a lot more than that, thirteen, and Vick only had two. Uh, but you know he really wasn't throwing that much, but. Uh, so, yeah, you know, when guys start out, people fool them. I remember Matt getting fooled by, by Monty Kiffin and the Bucks in his second game, and he, he threw a couple picks, got sacked four times, but then he learned from it. So the kids, can Desmond learn from these picks? Uh, you know, he got fooled on the one in the end zone. They sent somebody in his face and then sent the lurker into the route, and he threw it right to him. So, you know, you gotta uh, you got to learn from those uh, mistakes. Uh, you know, he got undercut on another route, and then another one was just a bad ball. So, hey, uh, if he can eliminate that and keep it 300 yards, then you got something going there. Yeah, you do. And, and boy, they really need to get something going this weekend because this is a huge game. At Tampa Bay, you pointed out, I just saw it on your Twitter handle, that this is the 60th meeting all time between these two teams. It can't get any more even. Uh, 30 wins for Tampa Bay, 29 for the Falcons. Down in uh, down in Tampa, I mean, you're 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 okay. If you're the Falcons, you're okay right now. I mean, you're 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 okay. Uh, but this is a game that if you can win this one, you take a you take a big step in the right direction. Yeah, no doubt. It, it is for first place in the division on the strength of the fact the Falcons won uh, one game already, and the Saints have lost the division game. So they're both three and three, but the Falcons are considered second place team. So um, it's early, but, yeah, you certainly want to uh, look at this as a very big game for you, one where you need to put a lot uh, of things together, and one where you 
You haven't won on the road since the second game of last year. Jeez. In Seattle. About so far ago that you got to have something good for you happen on the road. And they need to start it in Tampa Bay on Sunday. Falcons looking for more weapons. Uh, you know, Van Jefferson joins the club, and you've been writing about him, you know, being a veteran guy, being a quick learner. Is he uh, Is he in the plans for Sunday? Yes, he is. Uh, he's a, a key part of uh, the offense now. They got him going right away. Uh, you know, they tried to hit him on a deep ball from the 37. It was 62 yards in the air. He had got behind the defenders, and, uh, you know, that's going to keep people from dropping nine and ten yeah. people in the box if they know they just come out and first play a game and throw that bomb to Van Jefferson. Them safeties are going to be a little shook about coming up to tackle Bijan and Algiers. So he's a big part of the offense right away. Uh, Coach Smith worked with his dad, Sean Jefferson, in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So no surprise, he's going to get a kid an opportunity in the um, last year of his rookie contract to either make some money here in Atlanta or somewhere else around the league. So how do you see this one playing out on on Sunday between the Falcons and the Bucks? Oh, it's a, um, it's a. I see the Bucks probably winning. You know, the Falcons' strength is the run game, and that's the Bucks' defense. They they seventh against the run. You got the tenth uh, ranked uh, run offense going against the seventh ranked uh, run defense. So that'll be a stalemate. The key will be can the Falcons get to that twenty seventh ranked secondary. Ryan Neal's got uh, really bad numbers back there. So uh, Kyle Pitts, if you're a fantasy guy, uh, uh, Kyle Pitts and Johnny Smith should be open. It's just going to be a matter of if they can get the ball to him. They can block Shaquille Barrett and Devin White long enough to get the ball out to whoever Ryan Neal's covering. You want to stay away from Carlton Davis. He's got a, a 53.3 passer rating when thrown at. So, um, yeah, you got you got some opportunities to put up some points here. You got to score touchdowns, not stall out uh, like you did against Washington. But uh, the Falcons should have a chance to beat them. But I'm thinking at home, and they've just been so bad on the road that the Bucks and Baker Mayfield uh, might be able to pull this one out at home. Orlando, looking at the division, of course, obviously the the, the Panthers are out of it uh, with Bryce Young, kind of in total rebuild build mode with the rookie quarterback. But when you look at the Falcons, you look at the Bucks, and you look at the Saints, and I know the Saints were your preseason favorite. It just looks to me like, you know, of course, obviously head-to-head is going to be huge, but you could go into week 17 uh, or the 17th game of the season with, you know, both all three of these teams being 8-8 eight and eight or 7-9 and nine or 9-7. Or, or and seven. I mean, it, I, it just looks like they're going to be all jumbled up to the end to me. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, the magic number is 11, I think. If you can get to 11, you'll win it going away. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it looks like, yeah, it's going to be a lot of people. Uh, if somebody can string together three or four wins, they'll probably pull it out and win the division. Uh, looking forward to seeing the Saints tonight. Uh, you know, uh, want to see if they're still the favorite. Uh, I know Derek Carr's kind of stumbled out of the gate a little bit, but we'll see uh, if they can handle Jacksonville because, you know, the Falcons couldn't handle them over in London. So, uh, I still think it's the Saints, but we'll look tonight. But, yeah, I think 11 is the magic number. 10 will get you to the wild card. Uh, so, yeah, you can still probably get two teams because nobody plays. This is Remember, the, everybody's got that soft schedule. So, uh, if you can put a little bit together and, uh, 
get on a row, you'll have a chance uh, of winning the NFC South and maybe even making it to the wild card. Yeah, and, uh, of course, the Saints could catch a break tonight if Trevor Lawrence can't go in that game. They're going to decide the Jaguars are in pregame workouts as to whether or not he's able to go tonight. Around the league, um, let's get to, to Julio Jones. And, um, you know, you had said he was keeping in shape, that he was, he was going to play. He decided to go ahead and sign with the Eagles to be the third option there. Of course, A.J. Brown has said for the record that, you know, he looked up to Julio. Julio was his idol. You got Devontae Smith, another former Bama wide receiver there. But they're looking for a third option. How do you see that fit for, for Julio Jones? Obviously, they're a Super Bowl contender, so I'm, I'm sure that played a factor in his signing with him as well. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah, we had good information that he wanted to keep playing and wanted to go to contender, and that worked out for him. Uh, the Eagles, uh, Quest Watkins, well, it's kind of an afterthought anyway, and that's who, whose spot he's taking. Yep. But it gives them another option uh, inside of uh, Devontae and A.J. Brown. You know, they could run uh, Julio and Dallas Goddard out of the slot and then, you know, make people honor them underneath and, and then open up the up-top throws to Smith and uh, A.J. Brown, which, you know, Jalen likes to do. So uh, if he's okay being an underneath possession guy, he got a shot to get him a Super Bowl ring with the Eagles. Yeah, and the most anticipated game of the weekend, or certainly one of the most anticipated game of the weekends, is, is Tua and Jalen going head to head for the first time with the Eagles and the Dolphins on Sunday night, and and uh, both teams with one loss. The the uh, Eagles let really let one get away against the Jets. They played poorly in that game. But who do you who do you favor in that matchup between a possible Super Bowl preview between the Dolphins and the Eagles? Yeah, I just haven't seen anybody uh, stop that uh, that Tua offense. And Coach Mike is really being creative with mm-hmm. uh, how he's deploying his weapons and so forth. Uh, the Eagles are, you know, they're in their first year with two new coordinators, so they're going to probably uh, be in trouble. They're finding their way. Uh, Jalen's uh, getting used to the, the new offense, and he uh, had a really bad pick late. Uh, he's going to have to match against Tua, and uh, I don't know if they can really get the offense going at a high level like that. Uh, you know, uh, seven games in here. But, yeah, Miami's um, Miami's doing some really special things right now, and uh, we'll have to see if they can keep it going. They're going to have to uh, play some defense at some point, but uh, Sunday night they should be good against the Eagles. Any chance, because uh, I don't even know if he's been promoted from the practice squad yet, any chance that Julio would play on, on Sunday night for the Eagles, or you think it's another week away? Yeah, I, I think, uh, well, we saw how um, – uh, Van Jefferson was able to come yeah. in and run a couple routes and play 22 snaps. Julio's a pro. That's not a real complex offense. Uh, you know, yeah, they can have him out there and, you know, run some of his favorite routes. Uh, um, you know, and I, I think he might have even worked out with Jalen before, um, you know, in Tuscaloosa. So, you know, I'm sure they got a relationship of some kind uh, that he could probably get out on the field and uh, help him out. You look at the league, and of course, you know, you play 17 games now. So, I mean, the Dolphins, that, that perfect season may be intact forever now. The Patriots had the best chance twice to, to do it and couldn't do it on a 16 game schedule. But the fact that we're already without an undefeated team in the league, I, I, I guess based on what I've read about Goodell, he must just, he must be celebrating because that seems that everything in this league is, is, is built toward parity and we certainly seem to have it. Yeah, you know, no question about it. You know, that was Pete Rosell's dream uh, because the thinking is, hey, if teams are competitive or look competitive, 
or the least have a competitive record. You got more people tuning in. You're selling more jerseys. It's better for business to be mediocre <laughs> as opposed to having one or two super teams like, you know, we used to do back in the, you know, Dallas and Pittsburgh Steeler days. And then for a while you had the Packers in there with uh, the Cowboys and the 49ers. So, you know, you don't really have any super-duper teams as evidenced by, you know, San Francisco going uh, and losing to Cleveland and then uh, Philly losing to the Jets last week. So they love that. It's good for business. Folks in, uh, across the country in various communities are, you know, all in on their teams. But the only one out of the hunt already is the Carolina. Uh, they, they can't be happy. But everybody else is still dreaming about that Super Bowl trophy and getting to the playoffs. Yep. Well, I guess like you said, that keeps interest going for sure. Great stuff as always, Orlando. I appreciate it. And of course, for Falcons fans, or I would say just NFL fans, period, uh, you got a lot of great information available every week. Well, thank you very much, Gary. Yeah, you can find me on the Twitter at DorlandoAJC and our website is AJC.com and bookmark the Falcons page. And check out the... Uh, Bowtie Podcast. It's awesome. Thank you, Orlando. All right. Thank you, Gary. Have a great one. All right. You too. 1016 here on the Gary Harris Show. Uh, the YMCA of Tuscaloosa is dedicated um, to helping you reach your health and fitness uh, goals, and they can certainly do that. But it's about more than that, too. It's a community organization. It's a family. I can say all that with 100% accuracy because I'm part of it. I've been a member of the YMCA in Tuscaloosa for over 20 years, and I love it. I'll be over there today. In fact, at 1130, I'm working out. Uh, at the Y, 2313 Street downtown, and just uh, just an awesome facility, awesome group of people. Get by and see them. Let them show you around. I mean, I, I'm not going to um, sit here and blow smoke up your skirt. Uh, can you find a cheaper gym than the Y? Yeah, you can. You can find a place that's cheaper every month, but you're not going to find all that goes with being a member at the Y, I'll tell you that right now. And that's why I choose the YMCA. It's um, just a great group of people and a great environment, and uh, – You'll enjoy it. I'm telling you that right now. And uh, group exercise classes, personal training, they got it all. That's 2300 uh, 13th Street downtown. Call them at 205-345-9622, or you can look them up online at ymcatuscaloosa.org. And we'll be back. We're open for phone calls in the next segment. Uh, Justin, were you able to find any of that uh, Nate Oates audio? All right, we'll look for that. We may try to get a couple two on from Nate Oates from yesterday as well. But we'll be back. We'll take phone calls if you want to give us a ring on the First Domain Condos hotline, 205-342-9904. Patterson Comer is dedicated to serving our clients. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Increasingly cloudy today, the chance of a shower this afternoon. Showers are more likely tonight. The high today, 72. Tonight's low, 55. Tomorrow, showers ending early in the day. The sky becoming partially sunny. The high at 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 64 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best place for your high school football coverage is right here on Tide 100.9 and online on Tide100.9.com. All right, 10, 20, 20 minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock here on the Gary Harris Show. Welcome back in. And uh, Justin has uh, looked up some Nate Oates audio, so we're going to play a little bit of that when we get the chance. But first, we're going to jump out on the First Domain Condos hotline, and that's where we find Joe. Good morning, Joe. Hey, Gary. Gary, there's only two talking heads that I put a lot of stock in. Okay. Chris Lowe and Feldman. 
Yeah, they're, they're they're good. You're right. They're really good. They're more they're more information guys. They're more they're more um, um, what what substance guys than than show out guys. I agree with you. Right, you got it. And when Saban wants something out, he goes to low. Feltman's been had a great record on coaches losing their jobs. And did uh, yesterday he was talking about Jimbo and. And there's a group, of course, uh, getting it done supposedly and everything else. And uh, but he makes a great point. The, the guy they want was there, and he's at Duke now, and he's hot, doing a great job there. You agree with that? Talking about Elko? Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's. Uh, I think he's done a really good job. A great job, in fact. I mean, you're you're talking yeah. about. To and Duke's flashed a little bit, you know. Spurrier had some success, Cutcliffe, but that's still a place. That's a basketball school, and that's a place that football has kind of always been a little bit of an afterthought. Small stadium, Wallsway Stadium, uh, not very big, and and um, so yeah, I think I think Elko is the real deal. And unfortunately for Duke, uh, it's going to be very very difficult for them to hang on to him. Yeah, and you know, you got to get him while the getting's good. Yeah. Because somebody else can come in there and get him. A lot of people don't realize that. These guys that are on the line, like Jim, because Jimbo should, probably should have got it last year, but that ridiculous contract. Yeah. So I'm getting it. But, you know, and, and then Sunday, I don't know how much, I mean, Saturday, I don't know how much you watched it. But Daniel's got it, of course, and they're paid to do this. I like Daniels. I like him. I really do. And he, three times, not once, not twice, but three times, they ran it at the bottom and he said it. This guy is one in thirteen on the road now. Mm. One in thirteen is last fourteen. Mm. That's brutal. That's it. That's and brutal. That's what that's what gets you when you're on national television and all these stats come out and you're watching a game and then you watch the guy lose the game. You know, you, you know how it works. I don't have to tell you. There's so many factors like that that go into all that. And it just happens. Just like Sheila. Shula looked like a deer in the headlights every time we got inside the 10-yard line. Yeah, yeah. But let me say this, Gary. I'm your opinion on this. And nobody's talking about it. And I bring it up to people. Have you noticed how slow we're playing this year? Mm-hmm. I have. God. I mean, we're not never snapping a ball. I mean, everything we snap is under 10 seconds now. Yeah, I, I think it's by design, Joe. I, I just think they feel like the best chance for this team to win is to shorten the game and to um, be deliberate between plays. And um, that's just the approach that they've taken. And, it, you know, for the most part, it's worked. You know, this is still – and it's odd to say this this deep into the season, but I have said it all year, and, and I hope I'm right. I, I still think this team is growing. I think they're learning – I don't think they're anywhere close to how good that they have the potential to be. And, you know, I've said all along that I think this team's going to be really good in November. The key is to make November uh, matter. And so far they've been able to do that. And if they win, if they win on Saturday, then they won't play again until November because they'll be on the bye and then they'll take on LSU. And that'll be the month that can, uh, can decide, you know, this team's fate and this team still has a chance to be special. Now, the problem is 
Uh, they do have to get better. And, and, and somehow, just to put together four quarters of football, Joe, they just hadn't been able to do it. Whether it's been slow first halves and good second halves or good first halves and slow second halves or well, bad quarter here, the only game that they really dominated from start to finish was the Middle Tennessee game. And, you know, Mississippi State was a comfortable win, but it still wasn't, you know, domination. I, I would love to see Saturday this team come out and you, you leave the game, regardless of the score, and just say to yourself, Joe, they played really well for four quarters in the game. And uh, that's something that's been a struggle for this we team. We haven't done it. No, haven't done it. Do you agree with this statement? The only way Tennessee can beat us is Milton's legs. Well, I don't necessarily agree with that. Because I think that their running game with their backs is, is good enough that if they run the ball well there and they're able to get some push on the defensive front and he's able to make some throws, that he doesn't have to be a, a, a big factor in the running game. Now, if he gets loose and is able to hurt you there, certainly it would give them a better opportunity. But I don't think that that's the only way they can win. I, I think Tennessee is looking at it a lot like Alabama's looking at it. I think Tennessee looks at it and says, hey, if we play clean and we play our best, we can win the game. And I think Alabama's looking at it the same way. I don't think either team is saying, well, we got to do something special or or Milton's got to run for 80 yards and a touchdown or Milrow's got to run for, you know, 75 yards and a touchdown. I think they're just thinking, hey, if we play well, and it probably will come down to which offense plays the best because I think both these defenses are good. I think both these defenses are going to make some plays. I think both these defenses are going to get some sacks. So whichever offense is able to, you know, obviously it's about scoring the most points. I get that. But whichever, whichever offense is able to consistently move the ball, control the tempo, and put pressure on the other team's defense is going to win the game, I think, however they do that. Moving those well, the, last nail, the last nail in the coffin was when they ran that option and he kept the ball against a and The ball game was over mm-hmm. with that first down. And if we get in the fourth quarter, I could see that happening to us very, very easily. Well, it could. And, you know, that's that's one thing you'd like to do in this game, unlike the A&M and Arkansas games, although the Arkansas game looked like it was certainly not going to be a factor in the fourth quarter, is you'd like to have this thing over. You know, you'd like to get in the fourth quarter and feel like, you know, you got a 17, 18, 20-point lead and, and can just take care of the ball and win the game. And that's going to be a challenge. But I'm, I'm telling you this, uh, I'm picking Alabama 27-17. I think they're going to... I think they're going to be the better team on Saturday. I do think the home field matters. And I think Tennessee's win streak is going to be snapped at one over Alabama. Now, one you and just answered year. my next question. Yeah. I was going to ask you the score and if they covered. You yeah. just did. Yeah, I've got them. I've got them 27-17. I've got them, you know, I guess right now that would be a cover because I think the line's around eight and a half or nine, Joe. It's fail. It's oh. fail. So I've got Alabama. Yeah, I, I think I think this is uh, – this team is flawed – but boy, this team found a way, and you know, and I know Tennessee beat A and M too, but that was in Knoxville. They found a way to win it at, at College Station when not a lot of people, or a lot of people, thought they wouldn't win. They found a way to beat Ole Miss when they were just reeling coming off that South Florida game. Milrow back at quarterback didn't have a clue how he was going to play, and um, that was a big win. And then, you know, regardless of Mississippi State and Arkansas status, those are SEC wins. So they found a way to navigate themselves to four and zero in this league. And I, you know, now I may have a total different vibe by the time we get ready to handicap the LSU game because LSU's so good on offense. But right one now, I don't think Alabama's going to have its season derailed by Tennessee. I can tell you that. One more quick one: yes, no answer. Have we faced a defense as quick as Tennessee's this year? 
I got to think about it. I can't just answer it quickly because I got to run back through the defenses. Um, we we have not played nobody this quick and this fast overall. Well, I, yeah, you're probably right. I, I tell you this: I thought Texas was pretty fast. Now their their linebackers ran and their secondary ran, and even those big guys up front. I, I, but I'll give you that. I'm not sure they faced a quicker defense. I will say this, and I and I respect Tennessee, and and I respect Rodney Garner's defensive line coach, and they got a lot of experience. I think the fronts at Texas and A&M are still better than Tennessee, in my opinion. This is what Jerry Glanville said about Tennessee's front. They're the only team in the SEC that's still substituting four for four, just like Pat Dye did. And Pat Dye made a career out of it. Yeah, and that, and that matters. That does matter in the fourth quarter. There's no doubt about it. So, you, you listen, you got a good point. I And that the depth part of it, and I've been saying for a long time, you've heard me say it, and they're doing a little better job of it this year. I said, I want to see Alabama play more front people because I think if you play enough people in the fourth, even a second-team guy that's got fresh legs under him is sometimes more effective than a first-team guy that's played a bunch of snaps. So I'll um, I'll give it to Tennessee on that one. Well, I'm going to go against you. I, I'm going to say we're not going to cover. Okay, but you do think they're going to win. Uh, if Milton runs the football, we lose. Okay. All right, Joe. Good stuff, man. Thanks. Good to hear from you, Joe. All right, it's 1030. We'll get to the break, and we'll come back with uh, my pal Jess Spiegel, ABC 3340, and The Zone coming up next right here on The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Calling all University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. show Jeff Spiegel time and you heard the Brick and Spoon commercial again a reminder I'll be there live tomorrow morning from 9 to 11 doing my show there downtown Timerson Square so get by and see me. Uh, Spiegs is in with us after uh, taking all week off last week he lives a good life had to take a break it was so 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 difficult to come on the radio once a week with me that he's had Johnny Congdon uh, uh, stand in for him but I tell you what Connie did such a good job Spiegs we were thinking about making the, the making the switch permanently. Yeah, it's like uh, yeah, it's like when Lou Gehrig took over for what's the guy Wally Pip? Yeah, got, uh, yeah, yeah, Lou, yeah. yeah, Wally pipped him, you know. So, uh, but no, Jeff, uh, we're glad to have you back this week. But Johnny does do a great job when he when he comes on the radio. Hey, uh, let's start with the third Saturday in October, and I, I love it when it is on the third Saturday in October. I hate it when it's on the fourth Saturday, but it's the uh, it's the third Saturday this year, and the weather looks like it's going to be great. Both these teams are, you know. Um, just one loss, and and um, Alabama's undefeated in the conference, control the SEC West. But Tennessee, you know, feels like last year wasn't a fluke. And even though these two teams are much different than the two teams that led to that 52-49 game, both these teams are kind of led by their defense and, and running games. Uh, this looks like it could be a heck of a ball game on Saturday afternoon. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I love the Iron Bowl. It's my favorite all-time rivalry, but this is second. Uh, Alabama-Tennessee I mean, means a lot to me. I mean, I remember growing up and, uh, you know, Gary Rutledge, Dwayne Wheeler, first player of the game, 80 yards, you know, at Legion Field. That was back in 1973, I think. And, 
And there have been so many great ones, you know, over the years. The late, great Al Browning wrote a book about it and uh, just just what a special robbery it is. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. You know, but somebody in the sports office kind of laughed when I wrote my script a couple of days ago when, when I said, you know, that, that the Big Orange put some juice back in the robbery because, you know, Nick Saban had beaten them 15 years in a row. And I wrote, you know, the balls feel like they've leveled the playing field. And that's laughable when you think they've won once in 16 tries. But I really think Tennessee feels like they've turned the corner on this thing. And that, you know, Alabama is no longer in their head. And they feel like they can beat them anywhere, anytime. Be it Neyland Stadium, be it Brian Denny Stadium, uh, be it on the moon, anywhere. They feel like they can play with these guys and they can beat these guys. So, you know, they're going to come in with the confidence that they've, you know, rarely had, you know, when they come into Tuscaloosa. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. There have been some close games, you know, in Tuscaloosa, very close games. But um, but they really feel like, you know, year in and year out now, you know, they can compete with this program and beat this program. And who would have thought years ago that, you know, Josh Heupel would be the guy, you know, who could take down the mighty Crimson Tide. But, but he did last year, and certainly – you know, there's a lot of motivation on Alabama's part to uh, to get payback. Yeah, you're 100% spot on. It, you know, it had kind of become a rivalry is only a rivalry at some point when both teams are competitive. And Alabama fans, I think, had gotten a little comfortable. And and uh, but all it takes is one loss, <laughs> and and you know, it's back on. And, and you're right, it's on. And I agree 100% with what you said as well. I think Tennessee people feel like uh, they're going to come in here and win. And uh, last year, you know, kind of as you said, it, it took the lid off the uh, off 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 the bottle and, and got them out of that funk. But that uh, they match up well with this Alabama team and that they can come in here and win the game. What do you think about regards to the matchups here on, on, on this team? It, obviously, you got to score points, uh, but we don't figure to have near as many points. Is it just as simple as both these defenses are good? It's whichever offense is able to control the, the tempo and perform the best? Is it as simple as that as to who wins the game, do you think? Well, it's as simple as this. If Alabama can protect Jalen Milrow, and they haven't done a great job of that this year, they win. If they don't protect him, they won't win. I mean, it's as simple as that to me. I mean, if, if, if the left tackle can't start performing better for this Alabama offensive line, I don't care who they put there. You know, um, I don't know if, I don't know if John Hanna's got any eligibility left <laughs> and he can move from guard to tackle, but they got to figure that out. Now, Monday, you know, Nick Saban, you know, stuck by his guns. He said, we're playing with who we got. You know, we, we feel like it's just a matter of execution. Well, it's been, it's been a while now, and there hasn't been execution there at the left tackle spot. And Jayla Milrose done a really good job of protecting the football, but one of these days, a sack is going to turn into something disastrous, you know, be it a fumble and scoop and score or something like that, and you hope it doesn't happen this week. But the Tennessee D linemen and the edge rushers are licking their chops. I mean, you know they are. I mean, coming into this game because Alabama just hasn't been able to protect him like they should. Jeff, for um, for Alabama, if you win the game on on Saturday, you go into your bye, and in essence, it's it's a you know it's a three game season because you know you're going to win the the non conference game. So you would have LSU at home at Kentucky and at Auburn. It, it really comes down to that. Um, if you can get this win on Saturday. Despite the fact that it's been an up and down year, it's been uneven. They haven't put four quarters together. A win Saturday puts Alabama in a really good spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt about it. 
and, and we asked this question on the zone uh, the other night that which game do you think worries Alabama fans the most, Tennessee or LSU? How, how would you answer that? Question? Oh, I'd say LSU. I mean, 100%. Yeah. Uh, in Tennessee fact, I, I, I think, Jeff, and you, you know, this is your segment, so you can chime in. I think, I think Alabama's going to win Saturday. I don't know how I'm going to handicap that LSU game because that LSU offense is scary. But for me, it, it's yeah. LSU. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I have no doubt that, uh, that Alabama can score points on anybody, on anybody in the country. But, uh, but that LSU offense is scary good, man. And I know, you know, and I know the Auburn Tigers got like destroyed there, but they're putting up a lot of points on a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that guy's really good. But back to Tennessee, you're right. You know, they win this game. I, and, and heading into the bye week, I, you know, I feel like they've got, you know, got control of things, but, um, and then that November 4th game is, is, is the next big one. And, you know, you got to take care of business there. And, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I feel confident that Alabama is going to come out and play its, and play its best game of the year. But, but again, I think the offensive line's got to play its best game of the year. And, um, you know, it, you just keep playing with fire there. And, you know, a sack's going to eventually lead to, to a turnover if you keep letting those guys back there. And, um, so that's the thing that would concern me the most. I mean, Proctor and Pritchett got to step up their games. And they asked, you know, Saban, if, what do you move J.C. Latham over there? And he goes, well, he's playing so well at right tackle. You know, which we, then what do you do at right tackle? You know, well, I think you got to figure out a good combination to protect your quarterback the best you can. And they haven't found that combination yet. You're right, and it's still a work in progress. But you, you, you said it too. He's it, for all the people who keep saying move this guy. Not going to happen. They're going to stay with what they got and try to develop that that left tackle position with uh, Proctor and Pritchett. Hey Jeff, uh, let's let's turn to uh, to Auburn and Ole Miss because you're right. Auburn got to hand it to them. I mean, there's another way around it. I mean, they got they got destroyed in, in Baton Rouge. But we know at Jordan Hare that's they're a different team. Ole Miss coming off the bye, but this is a huge game for Lane Kiffin. It's big for Hugh Freeze, too, but I think, obviously, he's in his first year. Roster's not where he wants to be. If Auburn loses, even at home, the fans, are they're going to understand. But for Ole Miss now, they they were able to knock off LSU. I know they lost to Alabama, but they still have a chance to have a really good year. And this is an important game for them because Freeze was their guy. They loved him. He doesn't leave Ole Miss, if not for his off-the-field shenanigans. Uh, then, then Kiffin reported he gets offered the Auburn job last year before Freeze stays in Oxford. Uh, I, I'm telling you this, there's a lot of pressure on Lane Kiffin in this game, in my opinion. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on, right? I mean, going into this game and, but, uh, you know, one thing about Lane, I mean, Lane's going to come in with that swagger, you know, the dark glasses on and stroll into the stadium feeling like, you know, you know, he can, uh, he can beat anybody. And, and two years ago, how would that game have gone had, you know, Matt Corral not gotten injured, you know, early in that game? I mean, who knows? But I mean, he's, he's loaded. He's got a pretty good offense. I mean, they, um, I thought there were definitely the offense was more impressive, certainly in the LSU game than it was against Arkansas. They kind of swapped around, you know, a little bit against Arkansas, but, uh, you're right. Jordan, Jordan Hare Stadium is a tough place to play. I really think, uh, it's even tougher at night. Um, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like Tiger Stadium 2.0, you know, when, when the when the sun goes down, you know, at Jordan Hare Stadium, it's a crazy atmosphere. But Auburn's got to play better, and they got to generate some offense. And I don't know what the answer is at quarterback. Peyton Thorne has been inconsistent since day one. 
I mean, my thought is they should put Robbie Ashford in and just sink or swim with him the rest of the way. And I'll tell you one thing. They need to hand the ball off to Jeremiah Cobb more because that little freshman ran as hard as all get out, you know, at, at Tiger Stadium. He, I think Eugene Asante came out and questioned, like, how much juice the guys had when they went into the game. Jeremiah Cobb had plenty of juice, and he could have played eight quarters, you know, Saturday night. I mean, he, it didn't seem like he would have been tired. So they need to feed that ball to him more. And, and I think they need to jump on the Robbie Ashford train the rest of the way and see where it takes them. Jeff, no Brock Bowers for Georgia for a while. And, um, listen, they're still the big dog in the league right now. They're undefeated, but, uh, we're not overly impressive at Vanderbilt. Now they're on by, but they're going to go into this stretch run without Brock Bowers. Um, what do you think of Georgia's opportunity to go ahead and, and run the table to 12 and 0 going to Atlanta? Or do you think they're going to stub their toe somewhere along the line? Well, all of a sudden, I mean, you know, these, these four games coming up that we thought were going to be, you know, easily navigated, you know, are not that easily navigated anymore. I mean, we knew Tennessee was going to be tough. We didn't know Missouri was going to be as good as they are. Apparently, Florida is, 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 is better, you know, than, than we thought, you know, they were going to be early on. So those four teams are like 21 and five. They combined 21 and five. So that's going to be a tough little stretch for them. I mean, with or without Bowers. But listen, you could argue they don't beat Auburn without Brock Bowers. I mean, you could argue that. Sure, you they don't could. Absolutely. Yeah, and they yeah. don't beat with, without Brock because he took over that game in the second half. So that's definitely that's definitely a big piece of the puzzle missing for Georgia. Jeff Spiegel with us uh, for a couple of more minutes here talking college football. When you look around the nation, and I've already talked about this this morning, but I want to get your take. It'd be a good year probably to have the 12-team playoff. There's a lot of teams right now. And I know some of it's going to work itself out, but there's a lot of teams that are unbeaten. Uh, there's a lot of teams that are still in the hunt for a playoff spot. And there is a scenario going around that I was alerted to yesterday by a caller uh, that there's a lot of talk about Alabama could somehow go 12-1, and which I still refuse to believe. If Alabama's 12-1 and and beats Georgia and wins the SEC championship, they're going to be left out of the playoff. But there's the case that all four of the other Power five conferences could have undefeated champions or that Texas could, could run the table. Oklahoma could, uh, you know, Texas could beat Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game and they could be 12 and one with a head to head win. There's a, there's a, you know, there's some discussion that Alabama could be 12 and one, beat Georgia in the SEC championship game and get left out of the college football playoff. I refuse to believe it, but do you see, do you see any possibility of that? I find it hard to believe that the SEC champion would be left out of the playoff, especially, you know, if they knock off especially if Georgia runs the table up until then and then Alabama knocks them off. I mean, I just uh, I just don't see how you can keep Alabama out. But, but you know, Alabama's impressed no one in terms of voters. I mean, the coaches have given them a little bit more credit because the coaches realize how tough these games are to win right. Saturday in and Saturday out. But we in the media, Gary, I mean, we've kept them like 11th in the AP poll because we're not impressed with the 24-21 at home win over Arkansas doesn't impress us and then you've got all these other teams ahead of them who like aren't aren't going anywhere Oregon lost to Washington and they only dropped to nine so uh, yeah I mean they, they got to start you know beating some people with some kind of authority certainly a, a big win Saturday over Tennessee you know would be a head start in that regard but uh they've they just been stuck there in 11 and haven't been able to go anywhere now, the college football playoff rankings may look a lot different than the AP poll. 
Uh, I mean, I know that, but uh, but right now they're 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 not moving. Jeff, uh, I want to touch on Jacksonville State. Uh, Tuesday night football seems to agree with the Gamecocks, but what another huge win for for Rich Rod and the Gamecocks. Come from behind in the fourth quarter to beat Western Kentucky on Tuesday night. Uh, again, not eligible for the conference championship or or bowl game as they transition into CUSA and, and the FBS, but he's done a remarkable job. And, again, I, I know he, you know, didn't take the Alabama job and he failed at Michigan, but he seems uh, – we know he's a good coach, and, boy, he seems to have – you know, that community excited and you're not supposed to transition like their transition is really supposed to be tougher than this, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and I've clarified this, Gary, with Josh Eggerwood over at JSU. They can go to a bowl game if, if they don't have enough spots to fill. Okay. So they could still somehow get in a bowl game. Okay. Could still get in a bowl game. But they can't be the conference champion. Can't win the conference championship. No. But yeah, that's three comeback wins. And they were down 17-7 to Western Kentucky, who came in unbeat. Austin Reed can really sling the ball around. And, uh, but man, that defense is just playing out of sight, lights out. And, um, and they, they just, they find a way, man. They find a way. And, uh, and, and they're really, I think they're one of the most compelling stories in college football right now. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I really do. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's been impressive. All right. Uh, the UAB update, uh, I always get you to, uh, to provide it for me. And, um, they had that, I mean, I'll, I didn't talk much about it because you were out last week, but or a couple weeks ago for whatever reason, I kind of masked over it, but they had a great win against South Florida. That same South Florida team that took Alabama right down to the wire. Uh, you thought, well, they're about to get on a roll, but then last week against Texas San Antonio, and now they have a really tough Memphis team on tap. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the battle for the bones. That's right. You know, the, the, they they renewed that robbery that uh, that that ended in 2012. You know, so it's uh, it's great to have that robbery back. And yeah, this is a good Memphis team coming in, and uh, and it should be high intensity. It's going to be it's really it's a really cool setup. You have UAB Memphis at 11, Alabama Tennessee at 2:30, and Auburn Ole Miss at six. So Bing Bing Bing, mm-hmm. you can watch all three uh, with undivided attention. And um, yeah, it's a big stage for UAB. And, and they need to come through with a big win at home. And, and, uh, you know, they, they laid an egg at home against Louisiana and they, and they can't do that against Memphis because Memphis is going to come in and with, um, you know, fired up about this, fired up about this game and this robbery. It's, it's one of the great things about UAB going to the AAC that this robbery has been renewed, not only in football, but in basketball. And, uh, so th- this is the first chapter. So we're all excited to see it here. Indeed it is. And, of course, they're always excited for the zone on Sunday nights as you guys break it down every week. Yeah, Sunday at 1035 on ABC 3340. Uh, really appreciate the plug, Gary, and uh, hope you have a great day. Try to get out and enjoy this weather, man. It's perfect. It's awesome. It is great. Thank you, Jeff. And uh, we'll take our final break of the show, and uh, we'll come back and, and wrap it up real quickly. Again, a reminder uh, that tomorrow is Bama football trivia presented by T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery in the University Mall. And uh, I'll get a picture of the print and get it out on social media this evening. But that uh, gorgeous uh, Roman Harper uh, game-saving forced fumble in the 2005 game against uh, Tennessee. And that is uh, what we're going to be giving away tomorrow. And I'll be live at Brick and Spoon. So one more segment to go. As it turns out, we're probably not going to have time for uh, Nate Oates today. We would have liked to have worked him in, but uh, the show just didn't allow it. But we'll be back to wrap things up right after this. 
Catch Christian and Corey Miller every weekday here on Tide 100.9. Coming up tomorrow on the Miller's Edge is Keys to the Game Thursday. Plus, Stephen M. Smith and the M stands for Miller. He's family. That's coming up tomorrow on the Miller's Edge on the Tide. Tune in 11 to noon to hear Christian and Corey Miller break down everything from college to the pros on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama sports. Hey, Bama fan! Already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Increasingly cloudy today, the chance of a shower this afternoon. Showers are more likely tonight. The high today, 72. Tonight's low, 55. Tomorrow, showers ending early in the day. The sky becoming partially sunny. The high at 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 66 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. 100.9. All right, 1055. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. And a little programming note as far as my show is concerned. I know I said earlier this week that I was going to get Nick Adam on. Nick uh, attended the University of Alabama and uh, interned for me at WVUA 23 back in, you know, 2000. Eight, nine-ish in that, that time. And, uh, he is the young man, or he's not as young now, but he was the person who shot the video, the viral video of the snitches and I hate Tennessee. And, um, he went on to become a sportscaster at, um, a television station. But while he was sportscasting, he felt the call to priesthood. So he wound up, uh, becoming a, a Catholic priest. He's now Father Nick Adam over in uh, Jackson, Mississippi. And I talked with him on the phone this week, Justin. He just said, listen, I, he, I've done a TV piece with him. And evidently during the years, it, you know, it's gotten out that he's the one that shot the video. And he's done some other media with about that. But he is committed um, as a, a Catholic priest in the priesthood. And Father Nick Adam just politely declined. He said, listen, Gary, I'm I'm kind of moving on from that. And I'm focused on 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 my, you know, my faith and my priesthood and uh, just kind of not really do anything else in regards to that because it was you know like 15 years ago and I appreciate that and I respect that so that's why I haven't had Nick Adam on but I will tell you this tomorrow morning Justin be ready I know we ran it a couple times we're going to open the show tomorrow with that that viral clip again I'll be at uh, I'll be at the brick and spoon but the first thing that we will hear is going to be, you know, they snitches, they low down, they dirty and all that. So we're going to, we're going to bring it back tomorrow, but I am looking forward, as I said, to being on uh, location tomorrow at Brick and Spoon from nine to 11 downtown Tuscaloosa. Come by and see me. All right. That's going to do it for the show today. It's been brought to you. This second hour has by Patterson Comer attorneys at law. A reminder to keep it tuned on all day for great sports talk right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Up next, the Miller's Edge with Corey and Christian Miller. And uh, catch me on TV tonight with your local sports. And as I said, back here tomorrow for the TGIF edition live from Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa at Timerson Square. Have a great day, everybody. For Justin and Noah, I'm Gary. And enjoy this terrific weather. It is gorgeous. May get a shower.
this evening, but that wouldn't be a bad thing. I'm looking forward to this beautiful fall foliage and the third Saturday in October at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.